Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Letterman Row. I'm Austin Ward. That's Jeremy Birmingham. And over there, that's Spencer Holbrook. We are some of the biggest college football fans that you will ever meet. But we are skeptical about the possibility of Jeff Brom's spring football plan, even uh, Ryan Day and Ohio State's proposal. They just seem like a stretch. And that's painful to admit for me because we would all certainly love to go cover some college football and see uh, the most talented Buckeyes team uh, I was expecting maybe ever, uh, to go out and compete for a college football playoff. I'd love to see them get a chance, but I just – burn my struggle to get there. I think there are so many complications for a spring, and it starts to me with asking these guys to maybe play 18 to 22, 23 games in a calendar year. That's, that's almost got to be a disqualifier right there. You'd certainly think so. Uh, I, I think we're talking about a lot of wishful thinking. We're obviously – as we have been for the last six months dealing with what ifs, what if we, I mean, what if the virus thing is under control and then we can go back to normal? Like we don't have any idea. As I, as I put on social media on Thursday, like Jeff Brom's plan, Ryan Day's plan, they're all kind of uh, unrealistic, but I, I'm just glad people are thinking about a plan because as I talked to the, you know, Ohio state 21 class and, and the latest terminology video, like, these kids want a plan. They have to have a plan. So even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, at least it's a starting point for conversation. And if it ends up being eight games in January to March and then eight games in November and December, maybe it's feasible. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But at least somebody's talking about something uh, and, and trying to be constructive. And Spencer, you and I talked about this on Thursday that, you know, hey, it's great that Jeff Brom is being proactive and really it's encouraging that the big 10 is actually seeming to do something with these subcommittees after what looked like a wasted summer of trying to get ready for the football season. I know that's not entirely fair to them. Their hands were tied in some respects, but uh, Jeff Brom's plan in particular with not starting until late February or March going into May, turning around to play 10 games or more in October. It's this one. I, I just, I don't see how that one is practical. And I'm not, as I said, I'm not fully convinced that January will work either with Ryan Day's proposal, but uh, I'm not really sure where Jeff Brown is coming from on this one. It, it, that one seems the most unlikely of any plan. Yeah, so I made an analogy, now I remember it. Jeff Brown's plan is like when you do a group project and you work on the solar system for months, and then all of a sudden when you present it, the planets are all out of order. Like you have no clue – Like to start in late February and then expect to just turn around and do another season when all the players are talking about, you know, the players' rights, uh, practice hours, what they're, what they're doing, uh, how much money they're going to make. This, the whole plan just doesn't make much sense. I think you have to start in January if you're going to start. Uh, a, for effort, for Jeff Brom, for putting together a plan because he seems to be the first one who's really, like, throwing every bit of his plan out there. I just don't see how a February season – could work because you're going to set the 2021 season back then. And you might even have to set the 2022 season back, depending on how everything shakes out. Because the other thing of his plan, like eight games in nine weeks with this virus is not happening. Right. So, I mean, you don't know how long you're going to set back your league, Um, especially if the big 12 and the SEC and ACC decide to, you know, just basically jump in and go for it. They're not going to wait on everybody else for the next two years. I think it's just, it's not possible. I mean, it, it's like I said, good for effort. It's not possible. 
Perfect. My, my, ver my very educated mother just served us nine. Do you not pieces. remember? Screech, Screech that... Powers lays it out. It's them schnapp. Them schnapp. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm going to go with. So it's my very educated mother just served us nine pizzas, right? No, it's nachos because Pluto's not a planet anymore. Oh wow! Get your get your head out of your anus, Spencer. <laughs> so okay, Pluto's still a planet to me. Yeah, that took that took a strange turn. But I'm glad that that Spencer remembered what he compared it to. So let's run down some of these complications. And burn this is your specialty right here, roster management. And Ryan Day has talked about that being a one calendar year, one year of eligibility, and how that might appeal to uh, those commits that you talk to on Bermanology. But even if that's the case, the NCAA and the Big Ten at some point are going to have to say, here's the amount of players that you can carry next spring because it's going to be way above 85. And I, I'm not sure that I trust the NCAA to do anything about the scholarship uh, numbers at this point. But something has to be done about that or else no football – can be played the way we know it at any point in 2021. Yeah, the thing is, like, it, Ryan and uh, the press conference on Wednesday was talking about how it could count as one um, year of eligibility for the 21 class that enroll early. Obviously, then you wonder, is that one year of eligibility for the people that are still there? I mean, um, with a spot like Ohio State, it's certainly different than – Rutgers or Maryland, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone by talking about Rutgers or Maryland. My goodness. Um, but, I'm not going to uh, stop making fun of Rutgers. What, what are you talking about? That's what I do the, here. The difference uh, is that Ohio State from now until the end of January will very likely lose eight or nine or ten players from the current roster to the NFL or uh, potential grad transfer options if anyone else plays, which isn't going to happen. Um, but – that, so then you have this nine or ten guys that come in early. Those guys kind of fill in the, the, the hole, I guess. And so the roster changes a little bit, but the number doesn't change significantly until next summer, of course, when the rest of the class comes in. And now you're talking about 95 to 100 players on campus yeah. uh, or on scholarship. So, uh, but as you said, the NCAA has no plan and has presented no plan. They've told college coaches nothing. Uh, they still haven't made a decision on when or why or how kids can visit campuses. Kids, a lot of kids around the country are going to be playing football next spring now in, in their home states. So now you are asking them to play football through the end of May and then get on college campus the first week of June. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that don't make any sense. And the number itself certainly is one of them, but, that seems almost for next year to be something that can be decided arbitrarily and just on a whim. You could say a hundred, you know, here's your number. Um, but who's paying for this when nobody's playing football, but you just don't have any answers. And it's what I've talked about all week, which is the infuriating part. We finally saw Mark Emmert come out and put out a video saying we can't have fall championships while not saying that the NCAA football has to stop, which Good Lord. What yeah, in the because, world, Mark? Because he doesn't have control over that. And that's the, you know, the, le the leadership vacuum void that we've always talked about is that they don't have any control over the, the championship at that level. It's the, fallacy of, it's the fallacy of the NCAA, that the NCAA is in charge of football, and they're just not. And now we're, we're seeing that 
for the first time really take shape. Yeah. Spencer, what do you see as the, the biggest hurdle uh, to any Jeff Brom plan, Ryan Day plan, Jim Harbaugh plan, any of them? I, I, I just going to second what you guys said. I think it's the scholarship numbers. You, you cannot, there's going to be guys that leave for the NFL and then you're going to be reduced to let's say 73 scholarship guys just because you got 12, maybe 12 guys leave. Well, if you're going to fill that in with the 2021 class, you got to do something about their eligibility and the spring 2020 season cannot count as their eligibility because they don't even graduate and technically graduate high school until that time. So you can't just say, okay, they're, they're filling it in and that's one year of eligibility. So the scholarship numbers are going to be effective, affected, I think, for years. Um, and, and I don't see how the NCAA can put a plan together that would result in anything other than scholarship numbers being just, you know, basically ripped up and, and thrown, in, thrown in the air because it's going to be impossible to, to try and sort through all of these, these different scenarios that different teams will have when you don't have a central leader. Like the, the NCAA, the Big Ten – shown complete ineptitude, lack of leadership. So what it makes us think that they're going to get their act together for scholarship numbers that are going to be arbitrary across the entire board. Because yeah. Rutgers isn't going to have 10 to 12 guys leave. Maryland's not going to have 10 to 12 guys leave. Michigan won't even have 10 to 12 guys leave. So, what? So you know, Ohio State's this massive entity with all this NFL talent that will leave. But then, you know, Maryland might have one guy leave. So, you know, you can't – They'll, they'll have more guys on scholarship than Ohio State will. Is it going to be a range of guys that you're allowed to have, a 1 to 110? Like, what, what are we doing? I, I need, is, we need to know some answers soon. Is this the Big Ten's greatest prayers being answered? Because for the first time in 20 years, what we're almost guaranteed to see is Ohio State's roster coming back to the pack <laughs> of the Big Ten, right? So is this like – this is the unintentional um, – uh, leveling of the playing field between Ohio State and the Big Ten because now you have all these other schools that are going to have players who have a lot more experience than Ohio State whenever the next time they go back on the field. And, I mean, somebody pointed it out on Twitter to us uh, yesterday, Austin. Yeah. C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller are going to have three more practices than Kyle McCord by the time Kyle's on campus. I had I had I told that guy, I said uh, – I really had not even ever thought about that because we've just been so wrapped up in the fact that, okay, well, if Fields leaves, you're going straight to, you know, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller in a competition in the spring, whenever, you know, January, uh, next August, whenever. And, and they have had the benefit of a lot of meetings with Corey Dennis, and they've got to go through the strength program. And, uh, it, but it's obviously not a traditional year in the program. Kyle McCord could catch up really in a hurry because he's now not that far behind. I don't know what all he's – you've talked to him about the stuff he's doing with the Sims Passing Academy, and, and I don't know what the restrictions are for high school football where he's at. But, you know, that's an absolutely wild turn of events because that's going to change the entire dynamic of Ohio State's future quarterback plans. Everything – I mean, better than anybody. Yeah, the, the, we're just in such – and I keep repeating myself when I say it, but, like, we're in this totally unknown time, and everything we talk about is speculative – everything that Jeff Brom or Ryan Day or Jim Harbaugh or anyone else promotes is going to be speculative, except for James Franklin. I mean, he'll put out something at the last minute and it'll fail spectacularly. Um, but, you know, the rest of the, the these guys, everyone's just sort of spitballing. It's all just guessing. And then you just hope that people can hodgepodge something together. 
But until there's an actual leadership in, in the Big Ten that steps up and f- puts a plan that is in tandem with the rest of college football, I just don't know how we can even consider a spring football schedule until everyone's doing it. You simply – the NCAA will never be the same if the SEC is allowed to play football this fall and the ACC is allowed – I mean, the NCAA is – NCAA football is dead if that happens. Yeah. I think for me, the other challenge that simply has to be addressed here is it, it sounds kind of dumb to be worrying about the weather. I know that's usually your forte for us, Burn, but <laughs> if you're going to play in January, which I think is the most practical in terms of uh, giving these guys a physical break and you know, limiting the opportunities for them to uh, you know, get hurt and be out there and going through the wear and tear, well, if January makes the most sense, well, then you're going to have to play – somewhere else you can't play uh in the horseshoe you can't play in the big house you're not going to be able to play at camp randall uh outside in january and february so i I mean it's not maybe the biggest ask in the world but you're probably going to have to move towards what we talked about being a solution all along some sort of bubble with multiple teams playing in indianapolis or detroit you know some some dome somewhere you you cannot play. I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great well, idea. And honestly, I think it's the only idea. If you're talking about what Ryan Day is talking about, that is the only idea. You have to be able to, to get teams together, four teams in Indianapolis, four teams in Detroit, four teams in Minnesota. Um, I'm sure there's a dome that's playable, you know, somewhere in Ohio. I, I just think that that's the only possible solution if you're talking about a, a, winter, pro, a winter program. You can't play in Minnesota – in January, you just can't. And every, I every team in the Big Ten, other than one, has a permanent indoor practice facility. If we don't have fans, we have 100-yard practice fields inside. And every what, school – What, what one, team is that? Oof. I believe what? it's the one in New Jersey. Oh, the State University because, of New Jersey. Because when we pulled up to that facility last year – I don't even know if I call it a facility. It might be a bathroom facility uh, – <laughs> there was a massive like inflatable white thing sitting in the yard. And I was like, what is that? Oh, that's the practice facility of this big 10 university. So I'm not saying that it's be that nice it to Rutgers. I'm not saying that it should happen, but if we're talking about no fans and we're talking about weather, there's no reason that you need to play these in Indianapolis and Minnesota, just play them in the practice facilities because by January, the hope is the testing will be better. You can do rapid testing, at that rate, like they want to in January, you should be able to have guys come into practice facilities. There are two locker rooms. You can do the games oh, in the practice facilities. No. Spencer. I mean, again, though, it's been proven it's that hope, hold on is the greatest strategy. I don't, I don't want our audience to think that the indoor practice facility is a solution. You, there I, is not – Ohio State has one of the nicest in the Big Ten, and you cannot put uh, 160 players in there – Two full coaching staffs, trainers. There's not. Let's let's. But isn't it break. fun to dream? Isn't it? <laughs> if you fun open to the dream? garage door, if you open the garage door, you can. You just tell the trainers. To <laughs> there's, no, there's no coaches box. There's nowhere to put tel- you know television cameras to actually broadcast the game. To give me the all twelve. I, <laughs> the, I mean the all twenty-two. Give me the all twenty-two you can angle. Only the they can play seven on seven in there. I just want to. I just want to make sure because I love that Spencer is also thinking we're, about ideas. That's where like, football's yeah. going anyway. We're going to seven on seven. Let's make sure these kids. Okay, helmets only and shorts. 
No tackling. Remember, <laughs> tackling is going to be outlawed soon anyway. So let's just start turning towards seven on seven. People can work on touchdown dances a lot easier in an indoor field because you have less concern about potentially slipping and hurting yourself. You know, and so whatever else we can do. I think, you know, how Brutus uh, at halftime chases down the students uh, with wearing the giant inflatable bubble? Yeah. Yep. Let's just do that. Let's put everyone in bubble wrap. Uh, they can just bounce into each other, uh -huh. um, you know, making sure you're saying, excuse me, and sorry, let me help you up and right. then uh, move on. Yeah, that's great. Spencer nailed it. The practice facility thing is, is absolutely not happening. I just think it would be amazing if you got like Ohio State, Penn State in a practice facility. Like, just think about that. Ohio State, Penn State in a practice facility. What if, what if we get a select number of fans every week and they stand on a series of ladders around football fields around the country and they hold a giant tarp above their heads? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so let's say we take 400 fans. Yes. They, they stand on ladders. They hold a tarp above their head uh -huh. and uh, use that to protect players from the elements. Still Great. makes as much sense as Jeff Brom's plan. Yeah. If, hey, if we're saying that uh... – Jeff Brom, uh, there's no such thing as a bad idea right now. Then sure, Berm, that's that's practical, and let's go for it. We've just we've just solved it. We're going to protect the elements. Tribes is going to schedule uh, playing in the indoor facility. No one will ever know what happens because there won't be cameras or media in there. Uh, but hey, let's let's go. The for good it. news hey. about that is we can make up stories about what happened and say like you know that Jim Harbaugh called out Ryan Day or something in the middle of a in the middle of. Of, of a practice session and they can be like, Oh no. And then, and then they could be like, Oh yes. That's <laughs> just all there's, that's the story you made up. Oh no. Oh yes. Yeah. I think, well, listen, I think we probably did enough for our Friday video at Letterman row here. We have officially uh, jumped shark on this program. That's perm. That's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Austin Ward. We're going to try and solve this thing. We want football back, but I'm not sure that any of us are any closer uh, than the big 10 right now. Uh, stay with us at Letterman Row for all for full coverage of whatever happens uh, for Ohio State and the Big Ten. We'll see you next time.